0: About the enemy this morning. And um, I, I don't want to give the enemy any glory because Jesus has given us victory over the enemy. Okay? And I'd rather talk about Jesus, so that's what we're going to do this morning. As we do, um, I want to remind us of, of a few things. And let me begin in this way. We're going to be in. Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been in Ephesians chapter 6 at other times, but I just want to kind of approach this from a different perspective this morning. We'll be in verse 10 in a little bit. Um, I don't know how many of you got up early this morning to watch the women's soccer team play. Anybody do that besides me? (laughs) Not one of you? Come on. Okay, thank you. And uh, it was... Tied zero to zero after the regulation time, and they went to two overtime periods, and it was zero to zero, and then it went to a shootout with kicks. and My son was a goalie, so I really feel for goalies. I really, really do. And uh, everything was fine, and one uh, one young woman got up there to kick, and and it was going right in, but it just nicked the pole, and it bounced out, and then. The American goalie blocked a shot by the Swedish goalie and it just, she blocked it and it hit the ground and then it bounced over her hand and then it just kind of barely went over the line before she grabbed it, but, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Well, I have ancestors from there too, so it's all good. <laughs> I got them from everywhere, but anyway, um, you know, as you watch support, sports like that, it, it becomes very clear that it's, it's not just the skill of the athletes, because all of the athletes at that level are really good. It comes then to having uh, a coach who has a plan and a philosophy that helps to win, Okay. Today's passage presents us with a plan to fight the enemy. Now, there's an ancient illustration here of armor, and the point of that illustration is that the enemy attacks wherever there's a break in the armor. And so if you were to, I'm I'm all into ancient history, and all, I read a lot of historical fiction, I love to... Any, any TV show or movie that has sword fighting and all that, I love to watch that stuff. The more blood and gore, the better. And, um, and I know, I, you know, from watching this, especially when people are learning to play, wherever you have a weakness, the enemy is going to come in and the enemy is going to attack. And so the point of this passage is that God wants us to put on the whole armor and, and not have any chinks in the armor, to not leave out any of the armor. And we're sometimes kind of selective about what parts of the armor we put on. The other point of this passage is that if we put on that armor in an offensive way, meaning not offensive where you offend people, but in an offensive way where you're moving forward in your life for Jesus Christ, Christ you're not living in fear of the enemy you're living in strength and faith in the rock upon which you stand you know when we talk about the enemy the enemy likes to find chinks in our armor and then finds our weakness and some of us like for some strange reason to live in fear you know i don't know if any of you fly in airplanes but if you fly in an airplane, don't watch the news. Because there's going to be all kinds of reasons. And, and, you know, I know for Vic and I, the night before we fly, there's not a whole lot of sleep that goes on. Because you're thinking, you're going through possibilities, it influences where you buy your seats and all kinds of stuff. But I've learned a lesson in life that I think is true, that if you live your life in fear... The thing that you fear will manifest itself in your life. And that's a very powerful truth for us to understand. If you parent out of fear, then that which you fear in parenting will manifest itself in your children and in your life. That's a prime example of that. Um, Also, as we fight the enemy, God is looking for commitment on our part, which I'll talk about some more. So let's just look at this passage first, and, um, and we'll, read, we'll read these verses. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now, remember, you are the chosen ones. If you're in Jesus, He chose you. He chose you to be holy and blameless in His name. And Jesus makes you holy and blameless. You are the redeemed ones. You are the ones that have been transformed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. And so um, Paul has been writing this to the Ephesians. We've looked at most of the chapters leading in. So when he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, if you know who you are in Christ, you can be strong. And you can rest and abide in His mighty power. This is how you do it. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God. Let me say that again. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Look at this. Stand how? firm, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18 says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and I'll always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray with me. Love you, Father. Um, for the most part, we, we don't like passages like this because it Reminds us of things that just seem so strange to us. And it's hard for us in our minds to think out this idea that there is another realm that participates besides the realm that we can see and smell and taste and feel. So we need you to speak to us. Break down those intellectual barriers. And we might hear your voice. And I pray this in in the name of Jesus. I pray this not in my own authority, but in the authority of the shed blood of Christ. That you would take captive our thoughts, that you would remind us of who we are in Christ, and to know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to notice from this is that we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And it's not someone or something that you can see. Now, let me say we have victory over the enemy in Christ Jesus at the cross. So when I say to you, we have an enemy, it's not to put fear in you. You and I do not have any reason to fear the enemy. We have no reason to cower, to bow, to, to, to stop living because of the enemy. But the enemy is not seen. We don't experience the enemy in the same way uh, that we experience life through our senses. Some of you are more sensitive to the enemy than others. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience. I remember one time in Savannah, uh, Vicki and I were down there uh, on a holiday, we, we go to Beaufort, South Carolina for some weekends, and we went to Savannah, and they have all kinds of shops and everything. And so, you know, I believe it or not, over the years, Vicki likes to shop. Well, I've learned to like shopping, and I'm, like, compulsive. I just go in every store. So I go into this store, and I get in there, and I'm looking around a little bit, and this, this foreboding comes over me. And I went up to Vic, and I said... Vic, this place is not for us. We need to leave this store. And that, I'd never said that to her before. And so she said, what's up? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but there's a sense of darkness in this place. So we walked out, and we we walked outside, and I looked at the at the sign, which I should have looked at before I went in. It was an occult store, right? Uh, so the, the worshiping darkness, and all the candles, and uh, uh you know, they were kind of cool-looking candles, but Didn't buy one. Don't worry about that. But we have an enemy. It's not an enemy necessarily that you can see. But it's an enemy that's powerful. And you have to know that that enemy is at work against you. But there is victory over that. There is victory over that. We've been given an answer. The answer is, first of all, relying upon Christ in our lives. That's the first answer. But the answer that's listed here is, uh, is, the, is the armor that God tells us to put on, okay? So we're told to put on the full armor so we can make a stand. And we're reminded then that the armor has a belt of truth buckled around our waist. Well, some of us say things like, there's no such thing as truth. There's probably somebody here today that said, well, that's my truth, and whatever is my truth is the truth. And I, I, always, I have students say things like that all the time, and, and, and it's like, okay, so what's your truth? So what's your truth? What's your truth? What's your truth? What's your truth? There's a lot of contradictory truth from there. And today, people don't believe in absolute truth at all. They say there's no such thing as absolute truth. And it shows you how far we've wandered from the truth that God has made available to us through His Word. And by the way, doesn't the Word of God say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Amen? With a breastplate of righteousness in place. So righteousness is something that God asks us to put on. But it's not our righteousness. It's a piece of clothing but it's not our righteousness it's a breastplate that covers us in the front and the core part of us as humans but it's the righteousness that jesus christ brings to us and so when we rely on our self-righteousness which there's a generation out there that does our self-righteousness leads to pride and being puffed up as individuals And that doesn't protect us at all all because there's always going to be somebody who's better than us. Better looking, better running, better smart, I don't know, a lot of veterans out there. Not veterans, but veterans. There's always somebody that's better. And so we need to put that on. Um, Feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. You know, we need to wear the gospel of peace, being ready to... I mean, what's the point of having something on your feet? But, but, it, but if you're not moving forward, how precious are the feet of those who, what, bring good news. As I get older, it's hard for me to go anywhere anymore without something on my feet because my feet hurt. And they need that protection. And there's nothing more powerful than the gospel of peace. Not the gospel of hate. Not the gospel of indignation. Not the gospel of pride. Not the gospel of of power. But the gospel of peace. Take up a shield of faith. And you know the enemy is whatever isn't covered by these other parts of the armor the shield of faith can block All of those flaming arrows that the enemy likes to throw at us. The helmet of salvation protects our heads and our neck. And the sword of the spirit that we carry with us behind that shield is the word of God. And we engage the people around us in our culture with this sword of the spirit. What happens when we leave off parts of the armor. Let's go to Ephesians four for a second. Ephesians four, which we went through this passage earlier, but I want to I want you to see something here. Verse 25. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And so it's not just a metaphorical putting on the armor that God has called us to. Another aspect of putting on the armor is living our lives as obedient followers of Jesus. Now, let me say this to you because we get confused. Um, Is the sin that you did in the past covered and forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus? Well, that was resounding. Is the sin that you've done in the past as you've repented of it, Covered by the blood of Jesus. Does that covering last forever? Amen. Absolutely. How about right now? If you were to sin, you know, you, you might sit there and say, I do not like the shirt the pastor has on this morning, which I've had this happen before, but that's okay. They, but people tell me to my face. But anyway, you know, and your thoughts are elsewhere. Well, is, does Jesus protect you and cover you with the shed blood of the Lamb in terms of current sin? Well, yes. If you, what, turn from that sin, all right? What about future sin? Is future sin covered by the shed blood of Jesus? If you sin in the future, is it covered? Well, see, knowing that intellectually, some of us have the attitude that um, we're just going to go ahead and sin and claim the coverage later. But there's two things that happen to us when we do that. First of all, when we deliberately do that which we know God does not want us to do, there are consequences to that sin in our lives. There are consequences. Secondly, when we choose, and in this passage, um, the issue is anger. The issue is injuring somebody With your anger, okay? So when you injure somebody with your anger, you're giving the devil a foothold. A foothold in your life and a foothold in their life. And usually it settles in the wound and unforgiveness, an attitude of unforgiveness. And so we don't want to just go around doing things that offend other people. We don't want to steal, Paul writes, because when you steal, you're you're offending a person that you steal from, and you're offending God because he's called us not to steal. So we give the enemy a foothold, or later we'll see a stronghold in our lives. Same thing with unwholesome talk, and he gives a whole list of things. So chinks in our armor are not just not putting on the full armor, but it's, it's also when we decide to give openings in our armor by the offenses that we do in terms of our relationship with Jesus and with God. So here's, here's a plan for us that we can look at when we're dealing with the enemy in our lives. And by the way, can you tell when the enemy's after you? I mean, at certain ages, the enemy attacks us through our bodies, right? When we were younger, the enemy attacked us through our body, through our lusts. As we get older, the enemy attacks us through our sicknesses and our illnesses. And, and some of us have sicknesses and illnesses. And the enemy keeps putting thoughts in our head. And those thoughts are things like this. If God loved me, he would heal me. Why can't God heal me? God must not exist because he's not healing me. Those thoughts are not from God. That is the enemy... Who's attacking you? And so, let's look at some verses. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. It's not hard for us to understand. It's just hard for us to do this kind of stuff. Verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Even though we're rebellious and we live, he gives us more grace. But this is step one in the plan to resist. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And then this action. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail, change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves for the Lord, and He will lift you up. Y'all, in our culture and society today, we just want to be lifted up. We just want to be reminded we're creating the image of God and we're worthy of dignity and respect and we're chosen and we're redeemed and we're forgiven and all those things. We want to be reminded of all of those things. But we're double minded. We want the blessing without any pain at all in our lives. We want all that we can get of the world and of Jesus too. And we say, why not? The scripture says, resist Satan and he will flee from you. I can remember uh, in, in my very first church experience, we decided to do a evangelism explosion where people that visited our church, we would then go visit them in their homes, and we would tell them about Jesus, because they had already visited, they gave us permission to visit them, and so we went in. Um, I can remember on, on one occasion, um, Vicki shared the gospel with somebody, and at the end, she said, does this make sense to you? And the person said, yes, it does. And Vicki said, it does? Because she didn't think that she had the ability to share But when we first started this ministry, I invited two individuals to join me that I trained. We started with one team. I trained two individuals. And there was one lady on the team who was very senior, and uh, she was older than me. She was a saint of Jesus, wonderful. She's still going to that church. And then there was a young woman on the team who was kind of new to faith and and new to Jesus, and uh, every week with this new girl, it was uh, i don 't think I can come tonight i 'm not sure I can come and, and um, on, one of, on, on one of our visits, one of our most redeeming visits we, uh, we went to get gas in in my car and we pulled into the gas station. And Phyllis went in to pay for the gas, the older lady. And the other girl was there with me. I was pumping, and she was leaning out the window. And she said, hey, um, Pastor, have you ever had an affair? And I went, well, no. You can see where this is going. And she said, well, you know, if you had an affair, nobody would know except you and me. And I said, um, well, I would know, and you would know, and God would know. And that's enough. And uh, that was one of the strangest conversations I ever had. And then the old lady came back in the car, and, <laughs> I mean, I'm, gonna, and I'm just going to share with you, God redeemed all of that. I, have, I eventually did a wedding ceremony for her and her future husband, okay, because God redeems those kinds of things because I just didn't react. Inside, I was... It's kind of like ducks that are floating on the water, and they, they seem calm and cool, but their feet are really paddling hard. My feet were paddling hard during, during that visit because I was dealing with, oh my gosh, what do I do? Well, finally, I had a conversation and it went like this. And I called her by name and I said, look, you either have to decide if you're in with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. You need to decide if you are going to resist Satan or if you are going to submit your life to God. And and if you need assistance in that or whatever, some a woman came alongside her, the older lady, and worked with her and and all, and God redeemed that situation. And you know what? From that moment on, God was in that ministry of visitation. Many, many people came to know Jesus Christ as their savior. As we retrain more and more teams where there, there are different levels of There are probably three levels of training. What we were really doing was changing disciples who were making disciples. And it was really powerful. And it was a wonderful thing. Resist. Submit to God. Resist. And Satan will flee from you. Secondly, 2 Corinthians. This is awesome. Chapter 10. Verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The enemy has strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish Every act of disobedience, once your obedience is complete, you are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of of it. Resist and take captive your thoughts. You see, the stuff that we get double-minded about can be pleasurable and it can be fun. And we we can say things like God doesn't want me bitter. God wants me happy. No, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you content no matter what your circumstances are. He doesn't want you acting like the three-year-old who, when the three-year-old doesn't get what he wants, he says, I hate you, pop <laughs> Or Grammy, or whatever. If he wasn't so cute, oh my goodness. But we live like that as, as Christians. Sometimes inst- instead of... Um, Feasting on the meat that God has for us, we let our minds wander and go crazy. One of the things that I do with counseling, um, with individuals, for example, that are dealing with pornography, I, I say to them, look, pretend that, that you, you've got to learn to control your thoughts. So whenever you get one of those pictures in your head, either from your computer or your phone or from a movie or a book that you're reading or just out in public these days, um, I said, you need to take control of your mind. They said, well, how do I do that? And this is not an easy thing to do, but when I was a kid, um, I I, um, I, had a grandpa, a great-grandfather, um, who had an old shed behind his house, and you had to go to that shed to get to the cottages out back, and, you know, I was a curious young man, and, and I started going through boxes, and my great grandpa had playbooks, Grandpa had Playboy magazines from the 1950s back there, in that box. And I knew that I should not, you're right, I looked, and it's, and then, then I discovered the Sears catalog. This became my source of pornography. The Sears catalog underwear section, right? And so I would flip through and get educated on different kinds of underwear. I don't even know what the catalog looks like these days. It's like, but anyway. And you know, I would go to bed at night and I would start thinking of those pictures because I'd given, I I wasn't a follower of Jesus yet. But I started thinking of those pictures. So at, at that time in history, there were three channels in UHF, which we never watched. So NBC, ABC, and CBS, right? And I would lay there in bed And the bad pictures would come into my mind. And so I would start watching ABC, some show. I don't know, Gumber Pyle, USMC or something. And if that didn't work, then I'd go to uh, uh, Lassie, Second Channel. If that didn't work, I'd... I'd go to Flipper, Flipper. You know, remember that show? I'd go to Flipper. And if I still was having a hard time, my fourth channel, and I have, well, I know where this came from because I was dedicated to Jesus as a small child. There was the fourth go-to channel was Jesus coming into the clouds and coming like the second coming of Christ, this picture of Christ. And y'all, that did the trick. And I've told individuals, and I was, 10, 11 years old at this point in time, and it was just something that I practiced all the time, and some individuals say, well, you know, um, I tried that, and it didn't work. I said, well, you just tried it once. You know, y'all, we are not very disciplined. (laughs) We try something once and go, oh, that didn't work. I'm not going to waste my time. That just didn't work. Do you know how long it took you to get where you are, and you think you can end where you are in one second? Do you think the God that you're dealing with is instant hocus pocus that you can conjure up a solution in a moment's notice? Sometimes it takes a while to take captive our thoughts. We have to retrain the way we think. We have to read scripture. We have to spend time with Jesus. We have to spend time in prayer and take captive those thoughts in resisting and taking captive our thoughts. And then There's a certain realization that I want you to see. Go to 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 4. This has to do with realizing the presence of God in your lives and testing the spirits that you're dealing with. Verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit I used to say uh, to a friend of mine who served here as a pastor, above every thought that comes into your head is not from God. You think it is, and you're cocky about it, but every thought that comes to you is not from God. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You read that again. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, or the enemy, which you've heard is coming, and even now, is all ready in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you, who's in you, who's in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. In my very first church, uh, we had a young woman that was dealing in the area of witchcraft, and... It was quite the battle. Um, and I was brand new to those battles. And it was concerning to me. And her, she was uh, adopted from India. And um, she went by a particular name. Won't use her name because she's maybe listening to this now. God, Jesus has redeemed her life since all of this. But uh, her parents said that um, she was coming to church Sunday and she was going to disrupt our worship service. I mean, I'm a new preacher, you know. I'm thinking, right, well, I just remembered this passage. And I said to the people, y'all, we're going to do, we're having communion that Sunday. By the way, we'll do communion next Sunday. So uh, I said, we're going to do communion a little different today. For those of you that are going to do communion You're going to come forward and you're going to meet an elder. And before the elder gives you the bread and the cup, you're going to say four words. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And if you can't confess that this morning, then don't participate in communion. I've never done communion. I usually open it up. If you believe in Jesus, you're welcome to come. But every person that was there that morning came and stated, Jesus is my Lord. And you know, there was no disruption in that service. God worked in a mighty way. In the second church that I was in, I had a couple of men who um, I, to this day, uh, believe were evil individuals. Um, I was told that they were godly individuals, but they sure didn't act like Jesus in any shape or form. And they didn't like some of the things that were going on in the church. And so they decided uh, that they were going to disrupt our annual meeting at church. And I got phone calls from people. These two guys are going to do everything they can to raise mayhem in the midst of the sanctuary. I said... Okay, this is my second church. I'm like, all right, we can deal with this. So I called for two prayer meetings before that meeting. And every day between those two prayer meetings, I went around the sanctuary and I anointed every pew in the sanctuary with oil. Every pew. And I had the people who came into the prayer meeting. We didn't do the normal prayer meeting where, you know, somebody has a gallbladder problem, and let's pray, you know, and Aunt Susie and all that. No, no, no. We came into prayer meeting, we read scriptures, we sang, we walked around that sanctuary, we anointed the doorposts, the window frames, we anointed every place in that building with oil, and we claimed the victory of Jesus. One of the guys before the meeting called me up and he said, I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to be able to make the meeting tonight. I've been held over at work. And I said, oh, okay, that's all right. Let me pray for you. And I prayed for him on the phone right then. The second guy came in, and he sat right on the front row. This guy, I'm going to tell you the whole story, accused me of being a liar. He accused me of all kinds of things. He went under, it went to the district office. He was called under discipline and he was banished from any of our churches until he apologized to me. And y'all, that still has not happened, but I'm gonna tell you what happened on this, on this business meeting that night. He sat right on the front row and he sat with his arms folded. He's evaluating, he's waiting for his chance. And after a little bit, I saw him like, moving over and holding his stomach and holding his head. and He comes up to me and he says, Pastor, I don't know what it is. I think I ate too many muffins for supper before I came in here, but I just can't stay in here. I just feel horrible. You see, I had no reason to fear. We just took action against The enemy, resisting, taking captive our thoughts, realizing that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, we need to conclude, so I want to conclude in this way. God calls us to put on the full armor, but I don't know what you know about armor, but armor doesn't really cover the whole body, especially the back. And some of us think, well, you know, God's given us his armor and it doesn't cover us from the rear. Y'all, let me, let me just share with you something so powerful from the Word of God. I just love this passage. Um, go to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And um, it's going to challenge our religiosity. By the way, our religion Can be a chink in the armor. Just like everything else can. But look at Isaiah 58. and You got to read the whole chapter on your own. Because it is awesome. But Isaiah 58 says. Verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. And to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does right or does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So this is a religious people who are doing everything that God wants them to do in their minds. And when they don't get it their way, they become three-year-olds This is a nation. And they say, we've done all of these things and we still haven't gotten what we want. And this is what he says. Well, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Oh, like Leonard said, worship happens everywhere. You mean how we treat people who work for us is a reflection of who we are and our relationship with God? And then he says your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with th- wicked fists. So not only do you mistreat your workers, but in your families, you're, you're, you're going to fisticuffs. You're fighting with each other. You're, you're antagonizing each other. You're going at it. And he's, he's talking about this behavior. And he says, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? And then he, sh- he says what he's looking for, only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes, by the way, a reed's head doesn't bend unless the wind forces it to. Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke bondage? to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Does this sound like Jesus at all to you? Yeah, it does to me. Then, now notice this, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness, notice this, will go before you. Now, whose righteousness do we understand it is? God's righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. So he goes before us in the battles of life, will go before you, and what does it say? And the glory of the Lord will be what? Your real guard. In other words, even if the armor doesn't cover your back, God's got your back. He's a rear guard. Then you'll call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. So I don't know how you're wired, but I want to suggest to you that you have available to you the power of God in your lives. And if you feel there's just some resistance that's backing and holding. Resist. Take captive your thoughts. Claim greater is he that is in you than he that is in your world. In, in, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you leave from here, worship him in your relationships with other people, in your families, in the context of the workplace, in your neighborhood, and all live lives of righteousness and justice that God may be seen in your lives. And so we have available to us the power of God. But you gotta gotta ask yourself, am I going to live in the power of God, in the anointing of the power of God, and have the answer for the struggle? Or am I gonna live in the power of self And face defeat. Let me close with this verse Matthew chapter 16. Go there with me. Matthew chapter 16. Verse fifteen. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Chapter sixteen, verse. Let's start in verse thirteen. When Jesus, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, "Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah." or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. On this rock I will build my church. Some have claimed that that's only a promise for Peter, But I want to say to you that on the rock of Jesus, he's built his church. You are a gathering of believers. You are a church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And now some people look at this as though the gates of hell are coming to us. That's not how I see it at all. I see this passage as the church overcoming the gates of hell. The church moving forward fitted in the full armor of God, resistant, taking captive their thoughts, understanding greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And if we function and live like that, then what we bind on earth will be bound on earth and what we bind in heaven will be bound in heaven. But the binding and the power is not of our own authority and our own accord, but rather in the name of Jesus on the authority of the shed blood of Jesus. And Jesus says to you and me, who do you say I am? Amen? What an awesome God we serve. We're going we're gonna to close with a song this morning.